Adult Dude Having Discourse is a new podcast by JTMNetworks.com, hosted by Todd the 206 Geek. In this podcast, Todd will share his thoughts on many different topics. But because he's ADHD, how long before he either loses interest in the topic or switches topics altogether? Tune in and find out by going to www.adhd.rocks. That's ADHD.rocks. After you're done listening to this episode, you should check out Todd's other podcast, Hashtag Not About You Pod. It's a podcast with comedians Jamal Harrington and Marianne Riley and their nerd cousin Todd. It's a podcast about current events from a comedian's perspective. They also have interviews with other comedians and some other contemporaries. So check out Hashtag Not About You Pod on your favorite podcasting app or go to notaboutyoupod.com. That's the letter U, not the word U. We should, like, go and, like, hang out with Todd. <laughs> Whoa. It's Todd. Yeah. <laughs> Todd's even cooler than we thought. <laughs> Boys, I'm looking for a fella who goes by the name of Todd. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> He's cool. <laughs> Todd would make, like, a good manager or something. <laughs> Todd roll. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the 206 Geek Podcast with your host Todd, the 206 Geek. Yes, I'm Todd, the 206 Geek, and I am your host. I know I can talk. Alright, so, um, I got a few things to talk about today. So I, got, I pulled up some stories off of my Feedly list as I usually do. And we got stories about Toys R Us opening a new flagship store in the United States. Uh, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home earns third biggest global debut ever. And we have Henry Cavill talks possibly wearing red trunks for Superman in the DCEU. And we also have The Mandalorian, Luke Skywalker trends... As Star Wars fans celebrate first anniversary of big cameo, of big cameo, that was pretty awesome. And then we have the Batman director Matt Reeves says Robert Pattinson's version is inspired by a famous musician. We'll talk about that. And then we have uh, a big GTA Five mystery has been finally re- uh, solved eight years later. So let's get into this. All right, so. Um, Toys R Us. I didn't know that Toys R Us was still around, to be honest. Uh, I thought they closed all their stores a long, long time ago. Let's see if I can get my computer to respond. It might be... Ah, here we go. I was going to say, it's lagging like crazy right now. Alright. This is what it's... This is the, this is the story coming off of comicbook.com. And, uh, let's see, uh, less than a year after closing two previously relaunched stores, Toys R Us is opening a new standalone store yet again. According to Toy News International, 
the beloved toy retailer will open a new 2,000-square-foot flagship location inside New Jersey's American Dream Mall. The store is set to open on Tuesday, December 21st, with the two-store location said to be reminiscent of the beloved toy store customers know and love. And will feature an ice cream parlor, multiple-level slide, and plenty of toys. The brick-and-mortar store's opening was first announced earlier this month. Toys R Us is back, and it's back in a mega way. Toys R Us chairman and CEO uh, Yehuda Smidman told USA Today earlier this month, this is going to be our biggest format store in America. I don't believe that Toys R Us needs uh, a turnaround as a brand because the brand is awesome. We're just trying to bring it back to America, and we're trying to do it with a modern-day distribution. The American Dream Mall store is set to be the only Toys R Us standalone store in the United States at this time, though in August the brand announced that it would open a shop in shop shop in shops in 400 Macy's locations. Oh, shop in shop, I get it. Okay, meaning that it'll be like having a Starbucks inside of a grocery store, essentially. All right. Actually, I think back in the day, it wasn't like um, 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 what was that other famous toy store? The um. You know, the one they filmed the movie Big in, F.A.O. Schwartz. Wasn't F.A.O. Schwartz part of uh, Macy's at one point? I don't know. Let's see. Um, As a Toys R Us kid, I could not be more excited to bring this beloved brand uh, that so many of our customers know and loved into Macy's online and into our stores across America. Said the uh, Macy's chief merchandising officer, uh, w- when the move was announced, our toy business grew exponentially in the past year. Uh, with many families looking to inspire their children's imagination and create meaningful moments Together, Toys R Us is a globally recognized leader in children's toys, and our partnership allows Macy's to signify, significantly expand our footprint in that category. Okay. While creating um, more occasions for customers to shop with us across their lifestyles. Okay, well, I mean, yeah, that's awesome. I don't know why they didn't. Um, I think they're trying to save money is what they're doing here, folks. They don't have to open new stores, um, big locations. I don't know how many people remember this much, but Toys R Us was always really expensive. It was not the cheapest place to go buy the cool new toys. And with places like Amazon and Best Buy and Walmart, you can get all the cool toys 
at a relatively cheap price. Unless, you, of course, you know, you're looking for collectible items, in which case there are other places to find those things. I mean, I've seen lots of lots of uh, Transformers and Ghostbusters, like, collectible items showing up on, on my social media because those are the things I'm interested in social media knows to show me things that I like. So there's been lots of advertisements for uh, there's going to be a collect collector's edition version of the Ghostbusters backpack that you can purchase life-size and it's going to be like 600 700 bucks which is cheap compared to how much it costs to build a, a full-size replica a screen like like screen accurate replica it costs several thousands of dollars believe me I looked into it I wanted one like I don't, I don't have that kind of money. I'm not gonna spend that kind of money on something like that that could get broken. Fuck that. But this is awesome that Toys R Us is making a comeback. Uh, let's hope that that Toys R Us this time won't be so so darn expensive. And maybe we'll start seeing those commercials again on TV. You know, I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. There's a million toys at Toys R Us that I can play with. Yeah, I remember as a kid loving those commercials because they always showed like the cool stuff. All right, next story I have here. Spider-Man No Way Home earns third biggest global debut ever. I'm not surprised. That movie was awesome. I, I, I kind of want to go see it again, you know. But I, I <laughs> it was such an emotional roller coaster. I don't know if I can handle it right now. I'm... I'm I have enough things going on in my life that I don't need to. I don't need to add uh, a fictionalized trauma to my life. I'm not saying what happens. I'm just saying that I cried a lot. So let's put it that way. Uh, it says that the, the weekend box office results uh, are in, and Spider-Man No Way Home managed to dominate the weekend, uh, despite the threat of the Omicron variant. Uh, the newest Marvel movie is shattering box office records and even managed to rake in one, uh, $121 million on Friday alone. Overall, it's estimated to earn $253 million in its opening weekend at the domestic box office. However, North America isn't the only place the movie is having success. According to Variety, the movie has earned $587 million globally, making it the third biggest global debut in history. That's because everyone has been excited to see who's going to be in the movie. There's lots of speculation on, you know, what's going on. Because in the trailer, we've seen Dr. Octopus and we see uh, the, the Green Goblin. So, and there's rumors of other Spider-Men being in the movie. So everyone's like, all right, we have to go see this. And that's why it did so well, I believe. I think that's what did it. Because, yeah. All right. La, 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 la. All right, let's see here. Da, 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 da. Da, da, da. Just more, like, blah, 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 blah. All right. Lots of numbers and whatnot. That's still pretty impressive. 
So, yeah. All right, next story I have here. I should probably slow down a little bit. I'm blowing through these stories pretty quick. Uh, next story I have here is Henry Cavill talks possibly wearing the red trunks for Superman in the DCEU. You know, why not? Because, I mean, that's classic Superman. I mean, it wasn't... In, we only... I think... I think he was the the first Superman to not have the trunks. I mean, he's certainly not the last because you know Tyler Hecklin, his version of Superman doesn't have the trunks. Which you know initially I thought, man, that's not Superman. Why did they change that? But you know it it's kind of it kind of grew on me. Honestly, I was like, all right, this is all right. Let's see what it says here. It says here in uh, when he first made his debut as the Man of Steel, it debuted in the Man of Steel. Henry Cavill donned this, a Superman suit that was distinct from previous incarnations, although the iconic red and blue was still present throughout, along with his flowing cape. The element, one element was missing: the red trunks. Director Zack Snyder claimed that this new design approach was to prevent it from feeling too goofy for the tone he was going for. Goofy. I mean, yeah, The Man of Steel and, and all those other movies that followed were decidedly uh, darker, that's for sure. But, uh, okay, I wouldn't say goofy. Uh, uh, uh. In an interview with uh, Late Show, the Late Show with Stephen Colbert, Henry Cavill discussed his Superman suit design established in the DECU, to which he has a love for. However, when the topic of the red trunks was brought up, he revealed that he's not opposed to implementing them into a future redesign. I mean... Would he have any say in it anyways? I mean, he wouldn't have any say if they changed the, the costume. I mean, he's just the actor. He's not the he's not the the set designer. He's not the he's not the director or the producer. I mean, unless he becomes a director and producer for the next Superman movie, which I doubt, but you never know. Okay. There's not much else to the story other than he said he would be okay with it. It's like, well, okay. I thought maybe you know when I when I first picked this story that there was going to be something more to it than you know he's okay with the idea of it. Like like he has a fucking choice. <laughs> okay. Alrighty. Okay. Yeah, I really picked in some shitty stories to talk about today, didn't I? All right. So it's been a year since the the season finale of The Mandalorian came out. 
and I recently rewatched both season one and two, and for anticipation of the uh, premiere of the Book of Boba Fett, and hopefully season three of The Mandalorian, I think, coming out next year. And uh, I'm probably going to rewatch seasons one and two right before that comes out as well. But, uh, you know, it, it's it's not a surprise that fans are, are like, talking about it, and, and it's trending on social media as the first anniversary of Luke Skywalker's big cameo on the final episode of uh, season two of The Mandalorian, and uh, I don't know if if any if anyone cries spoilers at this point. It's been a year, dude. <laughs> I've you've give you've you've given yourself plenty of time to watch it. If you haven't, that's on you. Yes, Luke Skywalker was in the in the last ten minutes, if that, of the the final episode of The Mandalorian, and he takes. Baby Grogu to go be trained into being a full Jedi. This is what it says here on comicbook.com. Uh, December 18th, 2021 marks one year since the second season finale of Star Wars The Mandalorian. Fans will have to wait a little longer for the show's third season as Disney Plus makes way for the upcoming premiere of the Book of Boba Fett. However, that's not stopping fans from uh, reminiscing about the first anniversary of The Rescue, which featured a shocking cameo by Luke Skywalker. In fact, Luke Skywalker is currently trending on Twitter before checking out some of the fan appreciation tweets. Here's what Mark Hamill had to say about his return to Star Wars. Talk about unexpected, Hamill told Jimmy Fallon. I had finished playing that part, and, and I never expected to do it again. And I thought if they ever tell stories of Luke in that period, post the originals and pre the sequels, they'd get an age-appropriate actor. So when John Favreau and Dave Filoni told me about what they wanted to do, I was stunned. One of the main things with the Mandalorian is that you are sworn to secrecy. I can't talk about it with my family even now. <laughs> that yeah, I I think I actually saw that clip where he was talking about that. And uh, there's there if you go onto Disney Plus and you look, uh, there is uh, a. There is a, um, sorry, my Alexa device just kind of chirped in. I wasn't talking to you. Go away. Um, there is a show on Disney Plus where they show the kind of behind the scenes of making that last episode. And they showed, they, they did use a body double for, for, for young Luke because, you know, he's supposed to be like 25, 30-something um, and Mark is not. <laughs> so they used the body double to make, you know, but Mark did work on the episode. He was, he did film pieces of what was seen. Um, 
but they and they did de-age him. Although I think that there is a uh, there are some videos on YouTube of somebody who redid the de-aging using deep fake technology, which is not I don't think is the same the the same thing that Disney and 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 Lucasfilm used for for Luke in that last episode because that what we saw in the last episode looked more like uh, the the Luke Skywalker you see in video games. I mean, it's it's definitely Luke Skywalker, but it doesn't it doesn't look right. You know what I mean? So the, these guys that did they redid it with the the deep fake software, the deep fakes uh, technology. They made it look more realistic. They did a much better job of it, and it, I think it's hilarious. In fact, I think someone told me, and I don't know if this is true or not, I heard someone say that the guy who did that on YouTube got offered a job at Lucasfilm. And I hope he did, because if he was able to do a better job than Lucasfilm, they should hire that guy. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> And there's a bunch of tweets here for people who are like remembering and thinking how awesome that was. Like Anthony Anthony S. Straighter Zane at Straighter Zane on Twitter says, "Man, I honestly can't believe it's it it. I can't believe that it has been one year since that amazing season two finale of The Mandalorian with Luke Skywalker showing up." It was one of the biggest things I have I have seen as a Star Wars fan made me feel like a kid watching Star Wars. Yes. Agreed 100% Anthony. Um I I I think my reaction to seeing the the well for me it started off with seeing the X-wing fly in. I'm, that looks like Luke's X-wing. That was the first thing I said that that looks like Luke's X-wing. And uh, and then you see like the cloaked person um, walking through the hallways, you know, you don't see him. He's not hold. You don't see him holding the lightsaber at first, but you see that one hand is gloved and the other one is not. I was like, is that? Could that be? And I kept stopping myself. I didn't want to jinx it by saying his name out loud. But I remember thinking, oh my God, please let this be Luke. Please let this be Luke. Holy shit, is that Luke? I think that might be Luke. And this is what I'm thinking inside my head. I didn't say this out loud, but this is what I was thinking in my head. And um uh, And it was uh the and I but I what I was saying was like is that oh that might be Holy shit, I think it is. Is that And then as soon as the lightsaber lit up, I was like, "Oh my god, it's Luke." I said that out loud. And as he's fighting through all those droids, those those stormtrooper droids, whatever the hell they were, I was like, oh my god, this is fucking Luke. This has got to be Luke. It has to be Luke. Please let it be Luke. And uh, after he whoops ass and takes names, spits out his gum kind of thing, he's like, I'm here to kick ass and chew gum, and I'm all out of gum. That's, that's the kind of attitude he had when he came came in there whooping ass and taking names 
and I'm thinking he's in all this time he's wearing his his Jedi robe with the cloak on or the the hood over his head and uh and as soon as he pulls down the hood you see that familiar young Mark Hamill albeit digital face I just like the all the emotions the same emotions that flooded me when I watched The Force Awakens for the first time and Han and Chewie walk up onto the up on up the 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 ramp onto the Millennium Falcon and he says Chewie we're home I had that same reaction I just tears just started flowing and I was so happy to see a familiar face in a Star Wars movie that I hadn't seen in a very long time. I'm getting emotional thinking about it now, honestly. Um, it was awesome, you know. I remember as a kid thinking, you know, I, I really hope we get more Star Wars. At the very least, I'd like to see a TV show. I'd like to see what Luke did after the the, the events of Return of the Jedi. Does he start the the Jedi Academy up again? Does he start a school? Does Leia learn to be a Jedi? I would have loved to have seen those stories, but George didn't want to do that, or he had other plans, you know, and uh, I don't know. I think I think he lost lost interest in Star Wars because of the sheer number of angry fans for all the changes he made and all the things he has done to Star Wars after making those fantastic movies back in the early 80s and late 70s. And, uh, yeah. I, I, um... Yeah, I, I actually I think I need to rewatch that episode. I want to see that again. I want to feel like... I want to... That's the same feeling I had when I went to the Galaxy's Edge, man. I When I saw the Millennium Falcon for the first time and was walking around totally immersed in the Star Wars universe, I felt like I was eight again. It was amazing. It was very, very, very cool. I was all about it. I really, really, really loved it. All right, so what's the next story? I'm going to... Not talk about this anymore because I'm getting I'm getting really emotional. <laughs> We're fictional characters. All right, so the Batman director Matt Reeves says Robert Pattinson's version is inspired by. Wait for it! Wait for it! Kurt Cobain. Oh man! So are we we're gonna we're gonna make him really really damaged? Is he gonna have a loser girlfriend? Or a wife? Is he gonna have a? Is he gonna have a? Uh, oh man, I. Okay, so b me being from Seattle, I, I remember in the early days of the internet, or going online, even before the internet, going on to local um, bulletin boards and stuff. And when you when you hopped on a on a uh, on a board that was connected to other parts of the world and people found out you're from Seattle in the 90s 
oh my god, what's it like living in the same city as Kurt Cobain? I was like, I. He doesn't live in Seattle anymore. <laughs> he, he probably lives in L.A. Um, although I think he did have a house in Seattle, but uh, it's not like I knew the guy. We didn't hang out in the same circles. We didn't even have the same friends. Although years later, I found out we did know a handful of people in common, but not in the same time period. I mean, the person I knew that knew him knew him from like 20 years before I knew this person. So, and they hadn't kept in contact. But this is what it says here on comicbook.com. Batman is arguably the most popular comic book character ever created. In the modern age, the Cape Crusader has appeared in nearly a dozen movies in one shape or another. Even then, uh, Matt Reeves, the Batman, took a looks to introduce a fresh take on the character. Reeves himself has said that his upcoming feature will focus on the earliest years of the vigilante's time as Batman in Gotham. The young Bruce Wayne has even real-world inspiration uh, in the form of the late Nirvana frontman Kurt Cobain. In the Batman-themed cover story for the latest issue of Empire, Reeves revealed he was listening to Nirvana while fleshing out the first act of the film. That was when the idea struck. When I, when I write, I listen to music. And as I was writing the first act, I put on Nirvana something in the way, Reeves told the magazine in the upcoming The Batman issue. That's when it came to me that rather than make Bruce Wayne the playboy version we've seen before, there is another version who has had gone through great tragedy and has become a recluse. So I started to make this connection to Gus Van Zandt's last days. And the idea of this fictionalized version of Kurt Cobain being in his in this kind of decaying manner. For what it's worth, that very song, Something in the Way, was the song featured in both of the Batman trailers released to the public so far. Reeves has always stressed the movie will focus on Wayne's role as the world's greatest detective. Quote, it's very much the a point of view-driven noir Batman tale. It's told very squarely on the shoulders, and I hope it's going to be a story that will be thrilling, but also emotional. The filmmaker previously told THR, The Hollywood Reporter, it's more Batman in his detective mode than we've seen in the films. The comics have, have a history of that. He's supposed to be the world's greatest detective, and that's not necessarily been the part of, of what the movies have been. I'd love to. I love this to be one where, when we go, 
on that journey of tracking down the criminals and trying to solve the crime, it's going to allow his character to have an arc that he can can go through a transformation. Wow, that's uh, and it says here the Batman is currently set to release on March fourth, twenty twenty two. Um, I I don't know about you guys, but I'm really looking forward to seeing the Batman. I, I'm now I'm really curious as to. Um. I'm really curious as to uh, how Bruce Wayne is gonna uh, is gonna look. I mean. In my mind, uh, Kurt Cobain, um, like I said, I don't know the guy personally. I've only seen him on TV. And I know a little bit about him based on the one or two people that s said they knew him when they were younger. He sounds like he was probably a pretty nice guy and it was pretty low-key. But he was also a drug user and... Um, bit of a party animal from what I've seen on TV. So I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm, I'm hoping that aspect of of this movie doesn't ruin it for me because I'm going to be honest with you guys. I've never been a fan of Nirvana. I've never liked their music. So, all right, guys. I think, uh, well, I do have one more story to talk about. Let's go ahead and talk about GTA 5 mystery finally solved eight years later. All right. One of GTA 5's biggest mysteries has finally been solved eight years later since 2013. Many Grand Theft Auto fans have wondered, wondered what, what the canon ending of GTA 5 is. There are three ending players uh, can, can get on GTA 5. One ending fe features Michael dying at the end of the game. Another ending features Trevor dead at the end of the game and the third and final ending results in none of the three protagonists the third being Franklin dead the third ending always seemed like the canon ending and now that has been uh, and now this has more or less been confirmed that you know what to be honest when I played the game, the the third one mentioned where none of them died. That's the one that I got. Because <laughs> I don't remember anyone, any of anybody dying. Uh, pretty sure anyway. Uh, what? All right. This month, GTA Online received a major update, compl uh, complete with the with the contract new DLC starring Dr. Dre and the aforementioned Franklin. And this update features a bit of story content, including a mission where you are Franklin chasing a man who has earned the wrath of Dr. Dre. During this scene, Franklin notes that he knows one of the producers on the movie set you're you're chasing the man through franklin doesn't mention michael by name but you know uh but as you know you may know at the end of gta 5 if he's not dead michael goes on to become a movie producer 
In other words, Michael is alive, which means the ending of GTA V where he's dead is clearly not canon. Meanwhile, we know Trevor is still alive. Uh, these two tidbits com combined confirm the canon ending of GTA V is the ending where all three protagonists are alive. Unlike Red Dead, unlike Red Dead Redemption 2, there aren't many mysteries left unsolved in GTA 5. And now there is one less. The mystery of the canon ending is no more. Unless Trevor or Michael were brought back to life after being killed, technically this is possible. But you're, but so are all conspiracy theories. <laughs> okay, I you know that makes me want to go back and play the game again. So uh, I think this is the part where I'm going to end the, the episode, and uh, I will do this. Um, I'm going to because I how I, where I host the podcast I I hosted on Anchor, um, I can add music to the podcast. But it's all, the music is only available to those who listen through Spotify or through uh, Anchor FM directly. And uh, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick one of my favorite Christmas songs that I have on Spotify. And I will add it to the end of this episode. And uh, I don't know if I'm going to record another episode this month for... This year, so if I don't record another episode this month, I will see you guys next year, and uh, enjoy this this song. Talk to you guys later. Hey everyone, this is Todd the Two Hundred Six Geek. Just wanted to let you know the reason why this episode is getting posted a second time. If it's showing up as a second time, it's because the first time it was posted, it was posted with music attached, and those episodes only show up on Spotify. So uh, at some point during this episode, I said I'm going to play one of my favorite Christmas songs, and I play, and I add it to the end of the episode. So if you want to hear that version of this episode, you'll have to go over to Spotify and look up the podcast. You can also go to 206geek.com, and I'll take you right to where you can listen to that episode. And, uh, yeah, I just wanted to let you guys know that um, I, sometimes I will um, – I guess I ha I'll have to do a separate, you know, recording for the episode for, you know, the non-Spotify users. Otherwise, um, they won't show up on the other apps like Apple and Google and, you know, all the other platforms for podcasting. So if you want to hear the music that I added to the end of this episode, you'll have to go over to Spotify and look up the 206 Geek. Talk to you guys later.